difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. You can stay over there. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Now, Jimmy on the line, this man here, well, as we said, he's one of these young Turks who has come into the sport. It's turning its head, you know, everybody on their heads in more ways than one. And, well, when people America top teams say he's going to be a star, you got to listen. I'll give you one second. i introduce you to you. The newest featherweight addition to the Bellator ranks, I'll give you it, is... Cody Law. Cody, let's start off here with uh, back-to-back wins in Bellator for your debut at Darcy Choke, ground and pound. Uh, did anything ever go wrong? I mean, when, when you have fights like this, and I'm watching them, and I'm just looking going, okay, well, he's not getting hit. He's not getting beat up. I mean, how tough is it sometimes to not, you know, think of this as it's too easy? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I want it to be too easy. That's kind of what I work hard for every day. But I think things still go wrong. I think if I get hit one time, I feel like something went wrong. You know, in the first fight, I got clipped by a shot, I think. Wasn't happy about that. The second fight, definitely, there was so much. You know, I wanted to put that guy away in the first round. It took me three rounds. So, I definitely – I was disappointed in the moment. You know, looking back on it, it was, it was good for me. It was good to get three rounds almost of experience. But it was definitely not ideal, you know, in the moment. Performance-wise, I didn't think. Well, take, take me to the second fight. Because after the first fight – they have tape on you. And now they can figure, okay, what, do you, what does he want to do? What does he want to try to, you know, do against me? And, and when I watched Kenny, he literally tried to keep it a distance fight so that, you know, you couldn't, he was afraid of you tying up, you know, trying to, you know, take him down. He, and then all of a sudden when you did, he just, you know, at times he just looked lost. Like he couldn't do anything. In fact, mm-hmm. he, he was saying after two rounds, I thought the fight should have been stopped because he just really had, yeah. No way to, to prevent him from taking him down. He was lost the time. He, you know, he can't look good because he's going to try to stink it out a bit. I'm not even in there to try to take the guys down. Like, I, I'm in there to just fight wherever the fight goes, it goes. You know, I don't, I don't know. I didn't feel like he was running away from me. I, I fought guys that were running way more. My, my last amateur fight, the guy literally circled the fence all three rounds. I mean, that, that was more frustrating than anything. This time around, I, I don't know. I felt like he came to fight. Like, he was, he was coming in there and throwing, throwing uh, combos at me. So I wasn't really frustrated by that. I was more frustrated that I wasn't getting the finish and I wasn't generating enough power or something to, to put him away. You know, maybe it should have been stopped, whatever. The ref didn't stop it, so I have to keep punching. I want to finish him earlier. How do you avoid, then, making mistakes when that happens? Because that's the biggest key for young fighters. They think, okay, we're going to go in there, we're going to do our way, and when they start pushing for you know finish or they push for something, that's when they get caught. How do you avoid making those mistakes when it's MMA, you know, you make a mistake and somebody catches you next thing you know, you've, you've lost a fight on just seconds. Yeah. I was just disciplined. You know, if you're, if you're disciplined, that's, that's that kind of stuff doesn't happen. I, although I may be frustrated, I'm not going to act frustrated. You know, I'm not going to act out of character and do something wild um, because things aren't going the way I want them to go. If, if everything goes wrong, if I go out there and, you know, get get head kicked and dropped on my butt. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change the way I fight. I'm gonna recover. I'm gonna get back up, and I'm gonna keep fighting the same way I I was prepared to fight. So, I uh, I don't really I don't think that's a problem for me. 
We'll go back to this in a bit. Take me to a training here, because a lot of wrestlers have now come out, we've done MMA, and a lot of them, you know, fall in love with their striking. We've seen that a lot. And you're yeah. one of those guys who division, you know, division two NCA program, Penn University of Johnstown. You were an All-American. How yep. tough was it when you got into MMA to not go, okay, well, I've, I now learned, I've learned how to strike. I'm going to, you know, fall in love with that and forget about your wrestling. Because we've seen that with a lot, you know, a lot of good wrestlers who all of a sudden just go, screw the wrestling, we're, become, we're, we're now strikers. We want to knock people out. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to have it happen, man. I, I can see why. I love to strike. When I, when, I was, when I finished wrestling and started striking, all I wanted to do was strike. Um, thank God I, I got a lot of good coaches and a lot of good people around me that remind me every day, you know, don't, don't forget about your wrestling. Use your wrestling. And, and I'm kind of inspired by, by, like, GSP, the way he fought. You know, I love the idea of being a well-rounded martial artist. So although I love to strike, um, I want to be able to do it all in there. So if, blend them perfectly. So whenever I'm lulling the guy to sleep with striking or maybe I'm not winning the exchanges, then I can wrestle and vice versa. You know, I can't take him down. Then I can strike with him. But uh, I like to have both. And right now I feel like I do have both. And how does it work here? Cause you, as you said, you have a lot of good people around you. You have two key, you have two gyms. You got Matt factory wrestling club, which I've been told is your primary club. You also work out of the Air America top team. So how does it work where you have a lot of people giving you a lot of advice? You're trying to, you know, shift through everything. Okay. What do I take? What do I not take? How does it not get confusing? Um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I just, I take it all in. I love all of it. You know, I'm, I'm a smart guy. I feel like I can, I can think for myself. So I, you know, nobody, nobody really, none of my coaches have egos where they're like, Hey, what I'm saying is, is uh, the truth. What everyone else is saying is wrong. Everyone gives me information and I, it's kind of my job to put it together and figure out what works for me and maybe what's not going to work for me. And everybody just compliments each other. You know, my coaches back home, have gotten to know my coaches down here in Florida too. So as time goes on, it's only going to get better, but it's not hard for me to, to take everybody's advice and, and put it into action. When did you, when, when did you decide to go America top team? And what made you choose to go from almost, you know, as you said, you're traveling from Pennsylvania to Florida. That's a lot of miles, a lot of travel, you know, this, this stuff isn't cheap. So what made you decide, okay, I, I need to go to America top team and do some more training and, you know, you know, jockey this, you know, back and forth. Well, it's actually cheaper, cheaper to be here in Florida than it was in Pennsylvania. Uh, in Pennsylvania, I was driving an hour and a half every day to practice just one way, sometimes two hours, depending on which practice, then maybe drive another hour to a different practice then another two hours back home. Some days I'd be driving four or five hours. So you're spending how much in gas, plus you got to buy food out there. Um, out here, I live in the gym. So I just, you know, the only money it costs me is a whatever it costs me to fly down here. And then I'm here for as long as I want. I live in the gym. I walk downstairs, I train, I come back upstairs. So it's really not costing me more money. It's, I'm saving money by being down here. Uh, I decided to come down here back in May. It, w it wasn't even my decision either. We were in lockdown in Pennsylvania. I wasn't able to train. Everything was closed. And uh, I got a call from my agent who manages Masvidal down here. And long story short, asked me if I want to come down and help him, help him train for the Usman fight. Of course, I said absolutely. And the next day I was on a plane, and I've been here ever since. Tell me what it's like down there. I mean, I've, I've, I've talked with a lot of guys, and everybody says it's literally – you go in there, and even if you're there for a week, you learn a lot because you're with killers. As I said, Jorge yeah. Masvidal has been there. You have uh, Douglas Lima came out of that program. You've had guys all the way back, you know, even like Bobby Lashley's 
you know, Colby coming to Zuck at the start there, Amanda Nunez, you know, what was that like the first week where all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're looking around and it's like UFC stars, Bellator stars, 1FC, and all of these guys yeah. can just beat the crap out of anybody in this world. It was pretty cool, man. It was a weird experience for me because, I mean, I've kind of like kind of grown up watching these people. I mean, even just that, that, that same year, early 2020, I'm sitting on my couch in Pennsylvania watching anybody you just named fight. And next thing you know, I'm here uh, talking to these guys and training with these guys and sparring with these guys. You know, my first one of my, my first weeks here, next thing you know, I'm in the, I'm in the cage sparring with Pedro Munoz. You know, I just watched them fight not that long before that. And so it was all just a lot, but I loved every second of it. Tell me about words about doing about that when you because as I said you got brought down to spar with Jorge Masvidal. So how tough is that sometimes when you're brought in and they want you to sort of mimic a guy? In your case, you were there to mimic in a lot of ways Usman because he's a wrestling based fighter. He uses wrestling to set up everything else. What is that like when you have to basically you know look at a guy, figure out what he does, and then you know mimic it so that. The guy you've been brought in to help can get an idea of, all right, what am I going to take on? How am I going to defend it? What am I, you know, in for? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't – they never really told me, hey, we want you to fight like Usman. It was more just, hey, come wrestle with George. You know, I was just, I was just another wrestling partner. Uh, wrestle on the wall, wrestle on the fence, wrestle out in the open, whatever. And It wasn't hard at all. I mean, it's just that's what I do. I wrestle. And uh, I got better from it as well. So it was it was great for me. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we're proud to have on the show. It's Cody Law. We're talking all things, of course, wrestling. We're talking training as we're here with one of the top uh, young rising stars from Bellator. Last year was a tough year for a lot of people. I mean, you, as you said, in your case, Pennsylvania got shut down. You know, thankfully, you got to train in Florida. But I'm guessing, you know, you wanted to fight a lot more than twice a year. You wanted to, you know, make your pro debut probably, you know, earlier rather than October. Sure. How tough was it, you know, those first three, four months when you don't know when you're going to fight, gyms are closed, you, you know, you haven't gone down to Florida yet, and you're going, okay, I can't just, you know, start, you know, binging on pizza, Netflix, and beer. I got to get I gotta get in shape, and yet can't yeah. go to the gym because they're locked down. You know, honestly, I tell people this all the time. When, when the lockdown first started, I was upset, and then after a few weeks, I kind of recognized in the moment that it was going to be something I was going to look back on and appreciate and i do man during the lockdown i didn't binge pizza and drink beer and act like an idiot i actually got in better shape i was able to like scavenge uh barbells and squat racks and plates from people that i knew around town and ended up having my own little gym in the garage and every day i would just get up and either do do cardio i bought two bags from my basement hit the bag every day power clean squats presses in the in the garage every day eating healthy you know, doing all kinds of crazy shit, cold showers, fasting. I just had time to do anything, to try any different kind of training routine, and it worked out really well for me. And then, obviously, uh, when the call came to the American Top Team, I was already in shape. I came down, and, you know, I it sucks. <clears throat> it's been a terrible year for, for a lot of people. Um, thank God for me, it's it's been a great year. Um, obviously, the quarantine sucked, but, uh, you know, everything has been really great. It's been one of the best years of my life becoming part of American Top Team, signing with Bellator, getting two fights in within six weeks. Um, it's all gone really, really well. You're, you strike me as the kind of guy that you're, you're ready for, that you feel you're, you're ready for anybody. But if they said, hey, we want you to fight Adam Borix, or hey, we want you to fight you know, Taiwan Clax, you'll go, all right, let's do it. You know, Give me the contract, I'll sign it here. Mm -hmm. You know, Let's go forward. 
how tough is it trusting the management team and everybody who are going, all right, we need to build you up a little more. We need a couple more fights. We need, you know, four more fights till you're ready for this level point, that level point. When I can, you know, just talking to you, you're confident that your jujitsu, your wrestling, your striking, you can hold up with anybody in this division and you want the guys sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, it's a two, two-sided coin, you know. The competitor in me says I can beat everybody. And I, and I would fight anybody right now if I had to. But the more mature side of me knows that I need to keep getting better. I need to keep improving. So every month that goes by that I don't fight so-and-so or this guy or this guy is another month that I'm better at jiu-jitsu or I'm a, I'm a sharper striker or I'm a little bit I'm in a little bit better condition. I mean, I'm getting in better shape still every every month. You know, it's, it takes time to build up that, that fight conditioning. But uh, I, I trust the people that have my back, you know, and I trust my coaches. You know, my coach, Mike Brown, is he has, like, the final say in who I fight. So if Mike says I'm ready for a guy, I know I'm ready for the guy. I mean, I know I'm ready for everybody. But when Mike tells me that that's the guy we're going to fight, then that's who we're fighting. So I really just have to trust. How much does it help for you with Mike Brown that – this is tough for a lot of coaches, but he can go look at you and go, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've done that. Trust me, yeah. I know what's good for you. And you can go, all right, because he has. I mean, how much does that help that he's been a fighter? He's been in the UFC. He's been a champion. He's gone through everything. But he can literally say, I know exactly what you're going through, Cody. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, sometimes you meet people and you just know that they're genuine and that they're, they're no bullshit people. And, you know, that's how it was when I first met Mike. And I, and I have a really good relationship with him. And, we have conversations all the time where I'll be complaining or telling him about something that's going on. And he'll tell me a story about the same thing that he went through, the same situation. So he gets it. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky to have him. And you know, it's, uh, he's been a game changer for me right now. Last question before I let you go. Why do you love this so much? I mean, this is a sport where it's, it's grueling. doesn't pay well. Yeah. You, you basically put everything on hold. You, it's more of a lifestyle rather than a sport. And, you come home sometimes and it even hurts to sleep because, hey, you've got macron. Hey, you've got, you know, yeah, a joint's been pulled out or a rib has been, you know, sort of dislocated. You're in a car wreck. And yet you love a sport from talking to you. Why? What is it about this sport for you that you go, it, it's, it's not a sport. It's not a business. It is almost yeah. your calling. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was watching a video earlier today of like a, a bunch of fighters who were notorious or famous or whatever you want to say for how much they hated fighting, for how nervous they got, for how they didn't actually want to fight, like how GSP didn't actually want to fight. But for me, before the fight, I'm, I'm the opposite of nervous. I'm excited. I really do love it. And it does actually pay well. And that's that's part of the reason why it, it does pay well right now. And it, it can pay a whole lot more. You know, you can have generational wealth if you do it right in fighting. But I just, uh, I don't know. I, I love it. It's easy for me to love it because I'm not really taking damage. I have not had a headache from fighting in I don't even know, like over a year probably. The worst thing that's happened to me has been sore calf or something from getting kicked. So I know some people have tough, a tough time or a tough experience of fighting. They, they get beat up. They're hurting all the time. But I don't get hit too much. And I, don't, I don't get injured very often. So I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty healthy. And I'm obsessed with this. I don't, I don't really have a, a good explanation for you other than I just – I love it. All I want to do is fight. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I give you uh, one of the rising stars in Bellator – and, man, definitely keep your eye on 2021. I give you once again, uh, all the way from, uh, well, he's now residing in Florida training with America Top Team. I give you Cody Law. Cody, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out? Where's the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Uh, who have a sponsor that have been helping you out along the way? 
Yeah, I used to just sign with a supplement company called Axe and Sledge Supplements. Um, they're a new sponsor. They're awesome people in Pittsburgh. You can find me on Instagram on Cody Law MMA, and I also have a website, CodyLawMMA.com. Cody Law, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. Uh, we come back, though. We got a whole lot more here, only on it is Last Call. Last Call with the Alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now, join me on the line. This man here. Well, it was a roller coaster ride for a lot of us in 2020. And well, this man here had ups, he had downs. And all, no matter what, well, he became a darling to a lot of MMA fans with his, well, with his heart and his grit. I give you once again the pride and joy of Sparta, Michigan, with Michigan top team and now Extreme Couture. I give you it's Cody statement. Uh, Cody, let's start off here. It's uh, you, Andre Yule. It's UFC Fight Night, February six. How excited are you? Just get back into the cage. With everything that went on last year. How much of this is like okay, brand new start, brand new year. I'm you're ready and firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I mean, I've been training for a fight since God um, August. Really, uh, I didn't take too much time off. Uh, after the last one, you know, disappointing performance for me. Um, so I was, I was itching to get back in there. I was looking at fighting really as soon as possible. So I, I, I've been working hard for six months now in preparation for a fight. Uh, you can't, I can really can't put into words how anxious I am to get in the cage and, and, uh, show people how hard I've been working. Let's take us first, you're taking Andre, you all. What kind of fighter is he? Uh, what kind? What do you? What kind? What do you? When you see him, what does he bring to the table that makes him a dangerous fighter? Well, I think the first thing about Andre Ewell that makes him dangerous is his length. He's a long guy, crazy long arms. He's actually almost the exact same size as Conor McGregor, like as far as reach, height, everything. You know, and you know that's he's probably gonna have. I think I have a 65 inch reach. I think he has a 75 inch reach. He's going to have 10 inches of reach, uh, in the fight. So, um, you know, anytime you're fighting someone with that much of a reach advantage, it, it poses a threat to you, obviously, because he can hit you long before you can hit him. But I've been preparing, you know, with guys that most of my training partners are 145, 155 pounders. Um, I've had the looks, I've had the live goes against guys that have good hands that 
can emulate under you really well. Um, and that's, that's, that's it, you know, and I, I felt that my performance in the gym has, has surpassed what I even thought I was capable of at this point. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter, um, you know, what disadvantage I go into that fight with. Um, I'll use it to my advantage. You know, like I said, it, Andre Ewell has got to keep me off him for 15 minutes. And all I got to do is get inside one time and it's over. How many, I know for your similar opponents, you guys, one of the guys, I'm guessing one of the names you look at is Marlon Vera. How much do you look at that fight and go, okay, well, me and Marlon do some similar things. We're sort of similar size. How much do you look at that fight and go, okay, this is what works. This is what he did. This is what I can capitalize on. I mean, I think anytime it's the age old thing, you know what I mean? Like I look at this fight, like I'm the Mike Tyson of the fight, you know, and he's the, and he's the tall guy. I mean, if you're Mike Tyson, you got to move your head. You got to get inside. That's, there's no secret. You know, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go after Andre. You all. I'm going to put him on his heels. Uh, and we're fighting in a little cage. It's not going to take a whole lot for me to cut him off and, and get him where I want him. So, uh, you know, that is a huge disadvantage for him. You know, if he had that 34 foot cage, like the UFC normally has, uh, it'd be different, but we're fighting in a small cage. We're fighting in a 26 foot cage. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I already fought in it once it's small. It's, there's not a whole lot of room. I fought in cages that size through my whole regional career. And I'm really, really, really good at fighting guys in those little cages. Uh, just like Brian Callagher. Um, so it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him to use his reach and his advantages uh, when we're in we're locked in a phone booth. Take me to the Kelleher fight because that was one of your best performances to date. And it was a lot going on. And how tough it was it, you know, for you just going into a cage with, you know, you're, you're trying to stay focused. You're trying to do all this. You're trying, you know, as you said, fighters like to focus on one thing. Meanwhile, everything else around you is just chaotic. How tough was that, you know, focusing on the fight itself? Oh, man, uh, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, you know, the, the Kelleher fight. So I was supposed to fight Rowney Barcelos in March. Um, so I started training for that fight uh, first of the year. I started training uh, January 1st, training hard. So I fought. So I trained for two months for that fight, a week before the fight. It gets pulled because of COVID, and then I'm going to fight in the next month. Uh, I'm training hard. That fight gets pulled, uh, and it just keeps getting postponed. And then Barcelos gets hurt, hurts his knee. And I don't know if I'm going to fight. I don't know what's going on. And then they tell me, they ask me if I want to fight Ryan Keller. So, of course. And so now I'm fighting him in June. And now I've been preparing for a fight for almost six months at this point. Uh, I lose my brother a week before I'm supposed to compete. So I've got that going on, but I've got six months of preparation ahead of me or behind me. You know, I've, I've put a lot of work into to date and, you know, I know my brother would want me to fight. So I went out there, I put everything that was happening in my life aside. I focused on what I had to take care of and then, you know, I go out and I, I beat Brian Callagher, uh, and you know, then all those emotions come back 
and you know i gotta deal with all that stuff you know i gotta deal with that i gotta deal with covid um you know it was a tough tough time in my life and it's you know a test of you know of the man at that point you know what i mean like fighting is one thing but losing someone close to you is something totally different you know and and those two things combined are you know fighting is an emotional roller coaster you know you're locking yourself in a cage with someone trying to hurt you in front of everyone you know it's the most vulnerable thing you can do and then you add uh, a hard personal life event like that on top of it and it becomes the most emotional thing that you know you could ever put yourself through and you know I dealt with it uh I got to believe that I'm a lot stronger man because of, you know, the things I dealt with, you know, over that period of time. And, and, uh, you know, now moving forward, I, I don't, I don't know any that anybody can, can break me at this point. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just mentally just in a different place. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain. I'm trying to put this in words here. Cause I remember with the Rivera fight, I was thinking back to Jake Shields, and he said he he wished he did take more time off because he needed time to grieve. And when you lose somebody who's very close, and I'm get, I know you and your brother were close, he helped you training even in just like small ways, whether it's road work, helping you out, being motivated mentally for you, that takes a toll. Why take the Rivera fight? I mean, why, why did you take that win? Nobody here would blame you if you said, "Hey, I need time to grieve. I need at least." A couple months i need to you know i, I buried my brother I, you know my family is still wrecked i need you know a couple months nobody would blame you especially you know going in against from kelleher to rivera what made you take the rivera fight and how much did you look go back and go i wish i had more time i wish i had a couple months to just grieve put everything you know in a perspective and just mentally heal up uh i mean taking the rivera fight was the probably the single biggest mistake I've ever made in my fighting career. You know, I think that was the worst decision for me personally, knowing what kind of place I was mentally um, to take that fight. I did it for all the wrong reasons, every single wrong reason. Uh, but the honest to God truth is I took it because I needed a distraction from the realities of what was going on in my life and from the pain that I was dealing with. And I thought that that would help me in some way. You know what I mean? And the truth is, is that I wasn't, prepared I wasn't in the gym like I normally would be like I said I just I just buried my brother I wasn't in a good place mentally uh I didn't have I thought that I could pull it all together the way I did with Callaher but you know the damage kind of already been done at that point you know I'd already been with Callaher it was all pretty fresh and I was able to hold together but with Rivera you know I was in a pretty low place and I wasn't able to pick myself up the way I did uh first time around and you know the, the person that fought Jimmy Rivera wasn't wasn't me you know what I mean it was a shell of me it was just uh I went in there you know kind of an empty empty vessel and uh my performance reflected a person that one didn't really have the fire and two a person that wasn't prepared to fight someone uh at the highest level you know this is uh this is a crazy sport and you know, if, if you're not prepared physically and mentally, like, I don't know what possessed me to think that I could win a fight against, you know, arguably one of the best guys in the division for the last, you know, five, 10 years, you know, Rivera's been at the top forever. 
know, I think my, my ego kind of drove me to think that it didn't matter that I could beat anybody. And I, I do, I do honestly believe that with preparation and with the right mindset, I am capable of beating anybody. But if I'm being honest with myself, I didn't have the preparation and I wasn't in the mental place to fight. So, so uh, like I said, huge mistake uh, on my part, but um, you know, we're all going to make those mistakes, you know, in our careers and in our lives. And, you know, it's not really about it's, it's, it's winning, you know, or, and it's learning. And, you know, that was a, a, the, the biggest learning experience for me uh, in my 20 plus fight professional career. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we got his Cody statement here on the show. We're talking all things, Brian Kelleher. We're talking, uh, Cody's brother, we're talking Jimmy Rivera, we're talking about all this as he gets ready for his fight with Andre Yule February 6th. It's easy to fix something when it's broken in terms of, oh, I have a broken leg. I have, you know, I have, you know bad hand. Oh, I have, you know, physically, it's easy. It's rehab, you do all this, there's a timetable, everything works. This is different, as we as you and I know about it, because I've, I've been in your shoes, I've watched Jimmy myself, and there's no timetable, there's, and especially with COVID going on, I'm guessing last year for you was very challenging. And then you're just sitting there going, I need to get out. I need to find, you know, some solace. I need to grieve. I need to find a happy place here at the same time. Uh, how long did it take to get over everything and just be at peace and not just, as you said, have days where it's like either angry, sad, and you're frustrated. And unfortunately, because of all this going on, there's that sense of helplessness. Yeah, I mean, it, it took it took me it took me a long time, um, you know. And I have a lot of really good people in my corner to help me help pick me up and you know get me through the the, the dark place that I was in. Um, and then my own will too, you know, my own dreams and aspirations and and the the goals that you know my brother, uh, you know, thought I was he always. He always, you know, he wanted to see me fight the best guys in the world. He wanted me to be the champ. And he honestly believed that I would be. And I got to believe that, you know, that that's possible for me, that he believed in me, that uh, all these other people believe in me and that that my goals and uh, my motivations are stronger now than they've ever been, you know, to be the best in the world. You know, I think that... Uh, I haven't really given myself enough credit uh, in terms of, you know, where I stand as an athlete, you know, the things I've been able to do to this point, um, you know, I don't believe that I even thought I was capable of, you know, being in the top 10 in the toughest division in the world. I don't know that I honestly believe that, you know, I was going to win some of these fights against these guys that, you know, I was a three to one underdog against, you know, I've already done so much in my career as a fighter um, that maybe I didn't see possible, but now I, I see the path. I, I believe in my hard work. I believe in myself. I believe that I can be the best in the world. And, you know, I have everything to do that. You know, I have a strong mind. I have the skills. I have the athletic ability. I have the talent. I have the experience. Um, I have everything it takes to make a champion. You know what I mean? I have, I have the clear goals. I have everything. I mean, and really more than anything, I have the belief in myself 
um, for the first time ever, I think in my athletic career that like, I can do this. You know what I mean? Like, like the things I've done already shown me that I am capable of doing so much more than maybe what I even thought was possible. And, uh, you know, February 6th is my first time to prove to myself and everyone else that, you know, I am going to be a UFC champion. Going back to the Kelleher fight, as I said, it was your best performance to date. And it looked like, you know, from what a lot of people I've talked with over who've gone to extreme couture from other gyms, they said one of the best things they said is you've got a lot of guys who have fought, who are coaches, who know and understand and can work with you, whether it's, you know, Neil Melanson, whether it's Gil Martinez, uh, whether it's Ray Cepho, you have all these guys who just literally understand, okay, we know what you're going through. We know what's happening here. How much did the McKellar fight you look and go, this is with all the stuff I've gone through now with Couture. This is all the stuff I've now learned because I now have top level training. I have guys who understand how to, you know, coach me up better. I now have, you know, an edge against a lot of fighters now. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, as far as skill, I've always had an edge uh, with a lot of fighters. I think what I've always lacked was the, the belief, the self-belief. Um, I think what I lacked was uh, the confidence in my skill. Um, but, you know, I've been training with high-level guys for well over a year now. Um, since I moved out to Las Vegas, I've been training with guys that have the same aspirations. I've been training with people that, um, you know, also want to be the best. And, you know, I believe that I shine above everyone. And in terms of uh, my skill and my adaptability and the things that I can do um, against any opponent, you know, big, big or small, um, it doesn't really matter who you put in front of me anymore. You know, I, I can figure out a way to beat them. And, you know, at this point, you know, I'm just itching for the opportunity to show the world what I'm capable of. It all comes back down once again to February 6th. Uh, it's, you, Andre, you as you mentioned, it's it's new beginnings. Everything, you know, as you said, last year COVID, you had tons of crap going on in Michigan. You had tons of crap going on, you know, with just you know lockdowns. You know, being in you know in isolation in rooms. You had the passing of your brother. It was, you know, as it. But in, as somebody said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. How much are you looking forward to this fight in terms of as you said, it's a new chapter. I've turned the page. Life threw everything it could at me and then some, and I am still here. I'm still strong, and I'm ready to re, you know, revamp and you know, reconquer everything in 2021. And that's, uh, that's well put. I mean, I am. I am. I am absolutely ready. I'm absolutely you know, thrilled for the challenge. I don't think I've ever been more ready for anything in my entire life. I'm thankful that Andre Ewell you know, decided to take this fight. Somebody stepped up fight me because uh all i need is opportunity at this point you know hard work is meeting uh and it's meeting talent and it's all combining into a storm that is it's going to make me you know somebody that that no one will ever forget in this division well, there you have it ladies john once again i give you it is none other than the pride and joy of sparta one of the toughest men in this sport in more ways than one I give you Cody Stamen. Uh, Cody, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Your Twitter page, Instagram, the website, the gym's website, your own gym. Where can fans check you out? Everything is just Cody Stamen. Uh, I try to keep it pretty simple. 
Um, yeah, and I look forward to, uh, you know, putting on uh, a master class for, for all my fans and, you know, you know, all the people that supported me through the dark times of last year. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, scratching and falling to the top. Cody Stamen, ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to once again have him on the show. He'll be fighting once again. It is UFC Fight Night, February 6th versus Andre Yule. Check our time and local listings for details on ESPN+. Plus. We come back, though. Got a whole lot more only on it is Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Once again, only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. I want to thank once again my wonderful guest we had on first, Cody Law. I'm looking forward to seeing him a lot more in action in 2021. Bellator has a lot of high hopes for this kid. A lot of people doing the MMA world. And, well, we also want to thank Cody Stamen for joining the show. And just everything he went through last year, all the stuff he had to pers- you know, persevere through, Every you know the heartbreak, the trials, the tribulations. Very excited seeing him back in the oct- octagon with Andre Yule. I'm, just, I'm also just happy that he's in literally you know a good place right now. We'll see what happens going forward, but always a pleasure having him on. Uh, I'm going to take us to this weekend's fight. It's going to be PBC on Fox. It's Caleb Plant versus Caleb Truix. Kind of a letdown. And and look, I, I understand why this happened. Plant wanted the fight originally with Canelo Alvarez. And unfortunately, you know, Alvarez wanted to speed things up. Plant's feeling was, look, I can't, I don't want to fight, you know, Canelo on five weeks notice. I'm a champion here. I want to have a legit chance of, you know, competing against him, beating him. And, you know, during COVID, you know, that's going to be tough to do with only five weeks. So I get that. And I, you know, I understand that you know he's in the running. The talk is that if he wins, we'll get Cale Plant versus Canelo Alvarez by the fall. It's just it's a bad fight card. And I mean, you know, I, and look, I Caleb Truex, I think is going to do as good as come out firing on all cylinders. I think he's going to do as best as he can against Caleb Plant. But you're looking at a guy, Caleb Truex, who is. He's been around the block. He's a guy that you look at and go, okay, he's he's mostly a middle. He is a middleweight, and I you know we I know we've had him on the show, and as I said, I have a lot of respect for what he's done. But this is a guy who is thirty-one, four and two at nineteen knockouts, and he's lost at middleweight. I mean, it's yeah, he had you know a nice big win over James DeGale. I don't think Plant and his team are going to look past him. 
This is also a guy, though, when he stepped up, he's lost to DeGale again, Daniel Jacobs, Anthony Durrell, Jermaine Taylor. As I said, he's a good fighter. This is, you know, he for Caleb Plant, you know, I would I seriously disagree. I, I'm not even sure how he got, you know, a, a ranking at super middleweight for IBF, but that's a whole different story of a different day. The rest of the card, you know, it's it's a lot of prospects fighting. And when you're putting this on Fox, when it's the weekend before the Super Bowl, you would think, okay, if you're the PBC, let's, you know, bring out some better fights. Let's do some good things. But it's Joey Spencer versus Isaiah Selden, who this should be a fight Joey Spencer walks all over. It's Michael Coffey versus Darmani Rock. Uh, should be fun, but it also could be very ugly because neither guy is, I don't think, ready for primetime. They don't fight that much. You've got Brandon Lynch, Mark Hernandez on FS1, Rance Bartholomew versus Al Rivera. That should be a squash. I mean, and this is what bothers me about boxing is that you have all these TV dates and you start looking at them and the promoters and you start wondering, do they understand how bad it's going to get? Do you understand, you know, you continually cannot do this to boxing fans. Expect them to tune in, you know, follow the fighters and watch really bad fights. You know, as I say, bad fights, I mean, you know, fights where you look and going, okay, this is basically squash fights. They are just heavily in favor of what's going on, you know, one way or the other. And it's not just a PBC, it's top rank, it is, you know, matchroom sport, they all do it here. And as I said, you look at, you know, some of the cards are coming up and you have to wonder, do they get what, why this is happening? I mean, you look here, for every fight here, I mean, you get, you know, even in February, you look at the rest of the fight cards, see, it's... February 13th, you've got a lot of ESPN. Two real fights of note. Richard Comey versus Jackson Martinez. That's a good fight. Joe Smith Jr. versus Maxim Vlasov. Okay. Rest of it, you know, a lot of prospects. A lot of prospects who are in one-sided fights. And then you got to put that on at night. It'll be airing, you know, main event probably around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. That doesn't help boxing fans. Most East Coast fans are going to go, screw this. We're tuning out. The best fight card right now is the DAZN fight card, February 13th. And those fights happened because they were mandatory. They had to make the fights happen. You know, Joseph Jojo Diaz versus Shavkazov Rakhimov. That fight had to happen. That was Jojo's mandatory. Patrick Deshera versus Brian Castano. That was the mandatory. You look at some of these other cards on you know, ESPN. Uh, sorry, puts on February 20th. you got a great main event. Miguel Berklick versus Oscar Valdez. Then you got Gabriel Flores Jr. versus Jason Velez. You got Xander Zayas versus James Martin. It's like, okay, well. So you sit through two bad fights and you get one good one. I'm not sure how that world that works, but there's just a, there's a lot to digest, and you start wondering at what point do the promoters understand or realize you cannot build a fan base. You cannot bring in young fighters. This is the UFC's learned that. Bellator has learned that. Boxing boxing promoters, it seems they just think boxing fans are stupid. They'll keep on going. I don't know what the hell is happening, but 
don't know. We'll see here. As I said, I'm going to give you my picks here. You have, I'm going with Caleb Plant by eight-round TKO. I think Truax will be hard in the first four or five rounds. I think Plant will eventually break him down. I'm going by knockout of the eighth. I think eventually it's just the size, speed, and the quickness of Plant is just too much. I'm going Michael Coffey, you know, a fifth-round knockout over Darmani Rock, but as I'm spitballing there because I have no idea how either guy's going to come out, who, who's going to be in the better shape. And Joey Spencer, I think, is, scores the fourth-round knockout over Isaiah Sheldon. I think that'll just be a pure whitewash. It's, it's basically a showcase for him, so we'll see what happens. But we got to wrap this up. I am out of time here once again for – Cody Law for Cody Stamen. This is Chris Connor saying have a great weekend, everyone. I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action about coming up only on it is Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the, the Blue Wire Hustle Network.